brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, this is Rich Ladder here. We are across the street from MSG. NY, baby. New York City, Madison Square Garden. Hey, y'all boy, come on. Come yeah, on. man, Jeremy Donovan here from Keeping It Strong Style and Social Suplex. We're here with one half of the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. And one half of Gorillas of Destiny, but one whole of Time my motherfucking Tonga. Realists of the realest. Hey, ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. <laughs> Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be discussing more World Tag League, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Power Slam TV. If you are a fan of independent wrestling, Power Slam TV has over 6,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use the promo code SOCIALSUPLEX to get your first month free. And make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. And technically December 5th, but uh, today we're going to be celebrating two years of Keeping It Strong Style. Two years ago, we hit your your airwaves, man, here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yeah, and if you guys um, haven't gotten a chance to, go ahead and uh, 
download or listen to the history of Social Suplex podcast. We dropped that, what, a week or two ago? Uh, yeah, I believe it's been like two weeks now. Man, time flies. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was a podcast. I know it's a long one, but uh, we detailed the uh, the history of all of our friendships here on the network. We detailed the formation of One Nation Radio leading into the formation of Social Suplex as a website the different iterations it's gone through and then leading up to the crown jewel of the discussion, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the formation and the history of, uh, keeping a strong style and all the other great shows that we offer here on this network. And, uh, that, that's a really good retrospective on everything, but here we are, man, two years later and, uh, still hitting it strong. And like, I don't see an end in sight. Same here, man. Can't We're stop. Won't <laughs> stop. Eh-eh, eh-eh. Yeah, man. It's been a great two years, man. I want to thank, Everybody that listens to this show every week, everybody that's downloaded, liked, retweeted, shared, left a review, left a comment, people who have DM'd me personally talking about how much they love the show. I just want to thank you guys for all your support. Anybody who's bought a T-shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees, you know, people who have you know come up and said hi to us and wanted to meet us. We've had so many contributors over the years, people who've reached out to us with uh, – Rumors, information, insight, gifts, t-shirts, tickets to shows, places to stay while we travel, meals, uh, just your friendship, uh, rides. Um, so, like, there, there, it's more than just me and Jeremy every week. There's so many people that contribute. Anyone who's ever been on the show, interviewees, contributors, our uh, special reporters out in the field. Yeah, you know, <laughs> shout out to uh, you know Zach Porter, uh, Jamie Spector, two of our kind of uh, on the field guys in Japan. They go over to Japan a lot and give us the you know the live kind of reports. You know, we've had Mike Sempervivi, Chris Charlton, Rocky Romero. You know, shout out to all those guys who have been on the show. And, you know, everybody on the network that's been a guest on the show. People who are not on the network that have been guests yeah, on the show. Yeah, shout out to Sir Sam, Imp. Um, Amy. Amy. Well, she's on the network now. Rich. James. <laughs> so many people. And, like, I know we're forgetting Maserati. Uh, Muzza. Uh, shout out to everybody, man. That's so, so many people that have, like, really, uh, you know, poured themselves into this show, into what we do. Uh, you know, Anyone who's reviewed us, anyone who's rated us, anyone who's partaken in any of our awards voting or our contests or our predictions or, you know, our weekly, you know, question, people that are asking questions every week, people that are tweeting us, sharing us. I mean, like, the list goes on and on and on. Like, there's a lot of groundswell for support for what we do and not just for us, but for this product as a whole. And it, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, you have any uh, favorite moments over this uh, last year? Um, yeah, there's a lot of favorite moments, but I mean, honestly, the the biggest thing this past year was probably just uh, us getting credentialed to go to Dallas to be part of the G1 climax, to be part of the press section, to get FaceTime with the great performers of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, everybody, you know. Naito, Tanahashi, Okada, Will Ospreay, Jay White, Zack Sabre Jr., the list goes on and on. I mean, that that was one of the – and then, you know, being literally in, like, some of the most incredible seats to, you know, to be able to uh, see that fantastic event. I mean, that's probably my favorite, favorite moment, Tanahashi and Okada from this past year, like, yeah, being man. there live. Yeah, dude, that whole G1 experience was great. You know, being there in the press section – 
next to people that we've been reading for years, you know, David Mel- Dave Meltzer and, you know, all these different, you know, big wrestling media sites. We are right there with them. And of course, our buddies with the Super J cast and Voice of Wrestling, Joe Lanza, and being with those guys. And like you mentioned, like, interview- there's other podcasts too. I'm, tra- I'm forgetting now. Uh, we had a uh, wrestle rap, our boy, um, Emilio. Yeah, wrestle rap. There. Um, Smart to death. Smart to death. We're sitting yeah. right next to them. Yeah, a lot of great uh, media outlets there. And yeah, it was just so great, you know, getting the opportunity to be in the press scrum, ask questions, interview those wrestlers and stuff like that. So that whole weekend was just a great experience. We met a ton of listeners that weekend as well. Yeah, so I mean, uh, <clears throat> this uh, podcast brings a lot of joy and fulfillment to my life. It affords us the ability to travel and, you know, um, contribute to this community and contribute to, you know, other people's uh, coverage and fandom of New Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Resu and just pro wrestling in general. And I mean, you know, us taking a couple hours every week and, and talking about it, that's something I'm proud of. So, yeah, I'm really happy. Yeah, man. And I Mon- look forward to a lot many more. Yeah, Monday night recording is my favorite night of the week. I look forward to this uh, recording session every week. It's like the, literally one of the highlights of my whole week is recording this show and getting it out there for you guys. But the show must go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, yeah, so... By now, if you have not noticed, we have dropped the ballot for the 2019 Keeping It Strong Style year-end awards. We've had uh, tons of votes in already. We've uh, already surpassed uh, the first year's uh, voting numbers. We want, we want to try and break last year's voting numbers. Jeremy thinks we're not going to. I was <laughs> like, where are we at? And he gave me the number. I was like, that's really good. And he was like, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. And I was like... Where do you think we'll end up? He's like, uh, we'll get to a certain, you know. He came. I was like, bro, that's not a very optimistic outlook. <laughs> like, I I feel very strongly we're gonna do better than we did last year. But uh, a lot of that is contingent on you folks, right? So you people, we <laughs> we we see the download numbers and we're seeing the voting numbers. I know all of you that download every week have not voted yet. So please, if you're listening to this show, please go on and get your votes. The um, the ballot is right now. It's pinned at the, the top of the New Japan Reddit. Shout out to the New Japan Reddit uh, moderators. Uh, it's Scuba Steve specifically um, for uh, allowing us to be pinned. You know, we've been um, doing the show, like we said, a little over two years. And, you know, there have been a lot of podcasts that have come. A lot of podcasts that have gone. And week after week after week, we are always in that Reddit, you know, contributing. And we've never asked to be promoted in any way or to do anything. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to hit these moderators up. <laughs> I hit them up and I, I was like, guys, can you, can you please, like, just pin us? Like, cause, you put us over. <laughs> you know what happened was, like, we're getting buried by that card game again. Like, everyone's putting their stuff out for the, <laughs> for the card game in the Reddit. I'm like... Nobody's gonna see, nobody's gonna see us though. Like, oh my god! And I was like, can you guys just pin us so people see it? And like, they did, and our numbers went up dramatically. So thank you guys for uh, allowing us to be up there for however long they let us be up there. Yeah, and, and you know, you also find the the ballot on our Twitter account at ki strong style. I've been tweeting it out several times throughout uh, the weekend and throughout this week. I'll continue to post about it. Also, if you are a member of our Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. The ballot will also be in there as well. So make sure you please take some time out to vote. There's still time. You have time. Um, You know, you have about probably like two weeks to get your votes in. But we want to try and get as many votes in as quickly as possible. Um, We're going to hit up all the people who voted last year, right? Yeah. And we haven't done that yet? No, I haven't done it yet. So if you voted last year and you have not voted this year, expect an email in your inbox 
uh, tomorrow, possibly, to uh, remind you to vote this year. And also, if you kind of want to, if you have questions about how we came up with the nominees for each category, please listen to the uh, bonus episode. Actually, just listen to it in general. Yes. We we dropped a bonus episode this past week. Uh, The two of us, as well as uh, Rich Ladd of One Nation Radio, and we gave a very thorough and complete and concise rundown of all the nominees, how we arrived at those nominations, and if for nothing else, it's one of the best year-end retrospectives that you're going to get. Uh, I highly recommend that you listen to it. It's one of my favorite episodes that we record every single year, and I think that we did a fantastic job uh, taking the entire year and putting it into a concise, you know, three-hour format. (laughs) (laughs) But it's an awesome episode, so you need to listen to it. And I know many of you have already checked it out. More of you have listened to that than the uh, the World Tag League update from last week. (laughs) Not surprised. (laughs) Disappointed, but but not not surprised. surprised. (laughs) So, yeah, so check out the bonus episode. Get your votes in and uh, keep supporting the show. And and not only that, but do us a favor if you could please share our our ballot. You can it's very easy. It's shareable. You just click the share link. You can share it through Messenger. You can share it through Facebook, through Instagram, email, email Twitter. You know, you can share it in Facebook groups. You know, whatever you need to to do to get it out there, just help us out because these aren't our awards. They they are our nominations, but these awards are your awards. We are not going to be going in and superseding your bad pick when you vote for Tai Chi for Wrestler of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> not just playing; he's not nominated, but uh, he is nominated for quite a few other uh, right. categories. But yeah, we're, we're not going to supersede literally, that. It's literally in your hands. Yeah, every year. There are categories that I think should be one certain way, and as you guys can tell, sometimes I have divisive takes, <laughs> and I feel very strongly about them, even if I'm wrong. And every year, you guys vote some some fuck shit that I'm like, damn it! <laughs> I'm like, the Young Bucks were the best tag team last year, or whoever. And well, I think it was the uh, the first the 2017 awards, dude. Tag team of the year, I'm always mad. The, the Young first, Bucks won the tag team of the year. They were not the tag team of the year that year. That was War Machine's year, and they got screwed by all these Bullet Club fans. And then last year, Golden Lovers won last year, and it should have been Young Bucks. Young Bucks, <laughs> but the, all these freaking AEW fans. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But uh, yeah, so. There will be something where you guys will vote. We won't agree, but it's going to be the consensus, and we're going to, you know, these are your awards. So, you know, also we got some stuff in the in the works to uh, get the word out and really uh, elevate the level of these awards by reaching out to the performers who are involved. So be on, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be yeah. something really cool, and uh, you guys are going to be excited to see that. Yeah, so when those come out, share those also. Then uh, this weekend, we were at a Generation Championship Wrestling show. That's a uh, local promotion here in Florida. GC Dub. <laughs> GC Dub. Not, not, the, uh, not Game Changer. <laughs> I saw Matt Tremont there and Nick, Nick F. Engage. No, no. Joey Janela, the bad boy. <laughs> there, there was a bad boy on the card, <laughs> but it, it was not Joey Janela. Oh, God. It, it was the new bad boy. The new bad boy got taken out on a stretcher, bro. Yeah. He was not okay. Um, but main eventing that show was former New Japan Pro Wrestling star Matt Seidel. My close personal friend. No, not really. Uh, although he did invite me to do yoga with him one time. <laughs> 
So yeah, Matt Slidell lives here in the Tampa Bay area, uh, not too far away from us. He was managing the show, and we did get a chance to uh, catch up with him after the show and um, tell him about keeping a strong style. Uh, him and Josh kind of kind of had a, a previous meeting before. So, so funny story. So this is 2015, um, I believe 2015. Y'all, you historians can go back and and uh, you know do do your research. But uh, he had a big a big show match. It might have been like. I want to say King of Pro Wrestling or Dominion, something like that. But he wrestled uh, Kenny Omega when Kenny Omega was still in the junior division. And I I was at, uh, you know Clearwater pretty well, right? Yeah. So I was at the Shell Station that's on the corner of US 19 and, um, oh, God, what's that road? It doesn't matter. Over by the Ashley Furniture. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was right there. And I'm just pumping up my gas, and I look over, and I see this guy. And I'm like, are you Evan Bourne? <laughs> he's like, use, what? use a WWE name. Because <laughs> I, I forgot his name. Because I forget names, as you guys all, all know. And he's like, yeah, man. I'm like, holy, holy crap, you're Matt Seidel. And he's like, yeah, man. I was like, oh, man, I'm a big fan, like a huge fan. Like, that's this is crazy. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, we started chatting. And I was like, he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. That's really cool. You, you know, support us. And I was like, yeah, man, I saw your match the other night against Kenny Omega. Um that was a really great match, and he was like, "Oh, you saw that?" And I was like, "Yeah, I, I have New Japan World," and he and this in 2015, and he's like, "Oh, wow, you're like a real hardcore fan." He's like, "You're a real one." He's like, "You have to be if you're watching like Japanese pro wrestling in the middle of the night," and I was like, "Yeah, man," and he's like, "Oh, that's so cool." We started talking about like his career, his trajectory, the Bullet Club, the change, like NXT, you know, all these different things, and uh, and at the time, I was like, "Yo, you." You know, my friends, they do this podcast. Would you want to be involved? He's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, here's my email address. I'm going to Japan when I get back, you know. And I shot it to Rich and James. And Rich and James were like, holy crap. And they're like, well, you're going to be on this episode with us. And I'm like, all right, great. And then they, like, hit him up once. And then they never hit him up again. And, like, time kept passing, time kept passing. And they never hit this man up. <laughs> and I was like, what are y'all doing? And they're like, we got nervous. Like, I don't know. They were like, it was a long time ago. Like, they, right. they, they weren't ready to do that sort of stuff. So then a um, couple of years, like in 2017, I was working somewhere and he came in. And I was like, Matt. And he's like, oh, hey, man, you're the guy from the gas station. I'm like, yeah. We started chat- that time. We chatted for a long, long time too, talking about wrestling. And, you know, he's like, whatever happened to your friends? I thought we we're going to do the podcast. And I was like, yeah, no, they never hit you up. And, <laughs> and um, you know, that was shortly after he had just been released, released and not allowed to come to Japan after all the, the issues and stuff. And we weren't doing the pot. If we'd been doing the podcast, I would have. You know, and since then we've, our network's never hit him up. And I've always been like, dude, I would love to have Matt, Matt Seidel on, but this is a new Japan show and he can't, you know, go to Japan. <laughs> so it didn't make sense. But yeah, when we started talking to him the other night, we told him about the show. Yeah, we were talking about keeping a strong style and how, you know, we didn't follow New Japan. We're a big fan of him. And, you know, we'd love to have him, you know, interview him. And he's like, yeah, I would love talking about New Japan. And he's like, I love my time there. And, you know, I wouldn't mind talking about that stuff. So, um, you know, he lives here, he's local here in Clearwater, so... Um, he pro- runs the WWN Training Center. Right, yeah. He's the head coach there, so, I mean, if you guys are in the, you know, Tampa Bay area and you want to you wanna aspire to wrestle, it's either there or you go train with Jay at Tampa Bay Pro, it's, you got your pick, one or the other. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we will be, I will be scheduling a date with Matt Seidel in the future to get the interview secured and get that on, uh, keeping a strong style right here on this network. Yeah. So, yeah, that was cool. And then also I just want to plug um, our YouTube channel. I know we really don't talk about the YouTube channel a lot, 
But, you know, all of our uh, podcasts do get published to our YouTube channel. I know some of you, that's the way you listen to this show. Um, but it's uh, Social Suplex Wrestling on YouTube. And uh, Rich just got a new camera. So I think we're going to start doing um, some more video content. Um, we had a, a chance this uh, weekend at that GCW show to uh, do a quick little interview with a stable here in Florida called OAO. Uh, it features Troy Hollywood, Snoop Strikes, and Hunter Law. So go and check that out on the Social Suplex Wrestling YouTube channel. Also, Subscribe on that. Also, shout out to the OAO. Yes. You guys don't know Hunter Law, Troy Hollywood, or Snoop Strikes. You might know Snoop Strikes from MLW. He's as- uh, Koto Brazil. He's a member of Injustice with uh, Jordan Oliver and Hot Fire Myron Reed. Not nah, fuck that. His name's Snoop. He's Snoop <laughs> Strikes. Snoop Strikes. But um, listen, these guys, you know, when people are talking about, oh, there's not talent out there, there's no stars, I'm telling you right now, watch these guys. Get on the train because they're going to be yes, big. Get on now, and we've been and we, we've been following them for the last two, two or three years. years now. Yeah, and these guys have been blazing a trail all over the place. And shout out to our boy Troy Hollywood last night wrestling in Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment. <laughs> he defeated ACH in the main event of that show. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty crazy. I saw Lauren. Shout out to Lauren. Yeah, shout out to Lauren. Yeah, I saw her story, and I, I saw I couldn't see it, but I saw a black guy with like purple and uh, black trunks and dreads, and I was like, "Is that Troy?" <laughs> well, funny, like I saw. I was the- like, "What is going?" I was like, "Is Troy wrestling ACH? What is going on?" Yeah, I saw notifications like Lauren's live, and normally like I ignore like all Instagram like live notifications, but I accidentally clicked on it, and then I opened up with like a wrestling match. I was like, "Oh, that's ACH." And I saw, then I saw the tights. I was like, wait a minute. Those are Troy's tights. Yeah, I was like, and then I, I was like, Troy's wrestling Jordan I was, Miles. I was like, oh, Troy versus ACH. <laughs> <laughs> this is lit. I sat there and watched her live stream, watched the match. It was a freaking awesome match. Bro, when I jumped on, I said there's only two people watching it. You were probably the other person. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that was fire. So, yeah, shout out to uh, ACH for coming down and putting our boy uh, Troy Hollywood over. Yeah, absolutely. So that's pretty cool. And, and uh, uh, what do you mean put over? <laughs> he lost fair and square <laughs> But uh, and then one last uh, kind of Announcement here um, So there will be a uh, Social suplex Wrestlemania week announcement Coming out soon I believe by the time this podcast Drops oh and here's the thing ladies and gentlemen It's not suplex mania It's not suplex mania We are working on securing the details For suplex mania too But our announcement that's coming up It's not suplex mania so there is, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be really, really, really cool. It's going to be really big and, uh, it's, it's official. It's locked, signed and sealed and your boys are on. All I'm going to say is plan on getting to Tampa early that week. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say for right now until <laughs> the official announcement is made of what we're involved in. But if you're planning on coming on Thursday, come in, come in on Tuesday. I'm telling you, you want to come in on Tuesday or Wednesday. There's going to be big stuff that's going to be going down. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to move on. We have the match of the month and wrestler of the month for November. Yeah. So, you know, me and Jeremy were going to get some dinner just uh, before recording this podcast. And he's like, I think we should go with this match and this wrestler for wrestler match of the month. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, November is over. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I didn't even think about this, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's go through it. <laughs> yep. So let's start with the match of the month. The match of the month for November is Tomohiro Ishii versus Kenta from Power Struggle for the Never Open Weight Title. 
yeah, there were some really good matches this month. Uh, a few that stick out is probably like Show versus uh, Phantasmo. Um, the the match that just got released, Ibushi and um, Narita from the from the uh, the showdown in Los Angeles. Yeah, that show they just released that on uh, VOD, and that was really really great. Um, and then obviously the other one that kind of comes to mind is. Um, Bushi and uh, Will Ospreay. Oh, Bushi and Will Ospreay. And then also Naito and Taichi. Yeah. So, I mean, there's quite a few, but I mean, there really wasn't anything that was in the same exact high-level caliber as Tomohiro Ishii and Kenta. Uh, one of one of the most violent matches of the year by far. Yeah, and it's a candidate for our strong style fight of the year. Incredible match. Uh, everything we wanted, again, out of the first match, and this was very visceral. It was very hard-hitting, and um, I loved it. It's my favorite Kenta match to date. Yeah, in New Japan, same here. Yeah, love the match. I know I actually rated this match and the Bushi Osprey match the same, but this match was just more hard hitting and more violent, and that that's what really put it over the edge for me to pick it for the match of the month. Yeah, plus there's no Bushi. <laughs> uh, um, and then uh, for our wrestler of the month, it's none other than the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii once yeah. again this year. And I can just envision Rich. Not in his head <laughs> as he listens to this episode. You know, there there actually were some good candidates. Um, we're in the middle of Tag League, and, you know, we had about six or seven nights of Tag League before, uh, you know, for consideration. I mean, you could have gone with, say, a Fin Juice, or you could have... Uh, tai Chi, actually, yeah, was Yeah, Tai Chi was very close um, to getting the, uh, the wrestler of the month here. I, I think those would probably be the two highest nominations. I mean, you could, you could throw somebody else on, I suppose, but those are probably the standouts, but uh, Ishii for the work that he's been doing in the tag league with Yoshihashi, consistently good matches, plus this banger with Kenta, and then, you know, the showdown shows it. it Ishii's definitely the ma- the wrestler of the month. Yep. So, you know, speaking of World Tag League, we... Also, we need, <laughs> we need to compile our wrestler and match of the months and put them in some sort of, like... Like form, yeah, and also our recommended match of, of yeah. The I was week. Gonna, I was going to mention that when we talk about recommended matches. So front of the show, Dan Coffin hit us up. He's like, "No, guys, it'd be really great if you know you had the recommended match of the week, like as a list somewhere." Well, someone hit hit me up one time. Was like, "Well, you guys should do your recommended match of the week as a YouTube list." Mm. So, but the I problem this, is, yeah. most of the matches that we're we're recommending are not going to be available on. Say YouTube. Most right. of them are literally you can only uh, not all of them. A lot of them you can get on like I guess nefarious means daily motion stuff like that. So but here's what I'm going to do on the social suplex site. I'm going to put together a page that's going to have the recommended wrestlers and matches. I will link the matches to the New Japan World um, links, and then I will have the list of all the recommended matches with links to New Japan World. And then you guys can go socialsuplex.com, whatever I name the we'll page. We'll just keep a running link. We'll keep a running it'll be pa- like It'll be like Mr. Lariato's page. Yep, the page will be live. We'll have the different categories, wrestle of the month, match of the month, recommended matches, links to the matches. Have you seen that Lariato stopped updating his recommended matches? That's what I heard uh, uh, Jamie uh, told us that um, in the, the group chat. Dude, I wonder what that's about. I don't know. Also, like this past week, I was watching some Showbuckle videos. And Showbuckle, if you're listening, or anyone who knows him, Please come back. <laughs> we miss you. <laughs> I miss you so badly. So badly. Like that, the stuff he was, the content he was putting out is just next level. Like you have no idea. We we need you, man. Dome season's coming up, and nobody even knows what's going on. Like we need you. Put this stuff together. 
So now we get to uh, talk about World Tag League. We have a question from... Get to or have to? <laughs> we, we get to. It's, oh. a, it's a joy. It's an honor what to a... talk about the greatest tag team tournament in the world, the New Japan World Tag League. I wonder if that's true. I wonder if there's a better tag team tournament or not. There probably is. I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hearing some good things actually about the, uh, I think it's, uh, is it All Japan that's running their tag league right now? I don't know. Or Noah, one of those guys. I don't know. Probably <laughs> probably one or the other. So we had a question from Maserati asking, he says, I'm uh, mostly curious as to who you felt were the tag team of the tournament. I'm still catching up on, but uh, so far Dangerous Techers is my favorite. I'm about halfway, so my opinion could change. ZSJ made Mikey Nichols look like a million bucks, which I don't think I'd ever say. Well, Maserati, you're in luck because we're about to go through all the teams and kind of give our grade on where the, everybody's at. We're not going to go uh, do a night-by-night recap of nights 8 through 12. Where so I do have some recommended matches from last week from those nights, and then we're going to go through the standings, give our kind of progress report grades on where these teams are at. Josh is going to break down which teams are alive and who actually has a chance of winning this thing. So uh, start off with the recommended matches from. Yo, that that scared me when you said I was going to do something because I was like, wait, what am I going to do? <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, I guess I did. I did compile that. That's <laughs> that's correct. That is something I did do. But man, you you scare me for a minute. You're like Josh is going to break down. I'm like break down what? <laughs> Josh is going to break down how Josh good. is Josh is going to give a hole for hole <laughs> on all the uh, Nakanishi matches. I was like, my God, I don't think I I, I don't know if I could do that this week. <laughs> All right, so uh, recommended matches from last week from the eleven twenty eight show: uh, Shingo and Terrible versus Tanahashi and Toa Hanare. That was a great three and a half star match, and dude, I loved seeing uh, Shingo and Tanahashi in the ring together. That's a match I got to see a singles down the line. Mm-hmm. And then also from that show on the twenty eighth, uh, Evil and Sonata versus Dangerous Techers, Saber and Taichi. Great main event, Cork and Hall, four stars. And then Evil Sonata had another four-star main event the next night on the November 29th show against Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi. Both these teams busted their butts. Crowd was super into it. Another uh, four-star match. So honestly, I mean, if you're trying to cherry-pick, those are the three matches that I would recommend from last week. Everything else was kind of your normal you know, run the mill, three star or below, kind of what we talked about uh, last week. Yeah, and I mean, what what uh, kind of stood out to you for from these matches? Well, in, in the Shingo um, Terrible versus Tanahashi and Toa Hanare, it was uh, I love the Shingo and Tanahashi interactions, and then uh, Shingo and, and Hanare in there. It kind of reminded me of Ishii and Hanare with the kind of the strong style exchange of the chops and the forearms and stuff like that, and. I thought uh, they did a really good job. Both of them are kind of shining uh, Toa Hanari up in this match. And uh, Toa Hanari looked really good. And then, you know, Tanahashi is the ace. And, um, you know, his interactions with Shingo and Terrible were both really good. Um, and then the both Evil and Sonata matches against Dangerous Techers and Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi, I felt, uh, you know, th- those guys knew that those were live shows. They were in Cork and Hall. Uh, they were motivated. They had a lot of energy. They worked really, really hard, busted their butts, and had um, some great main events. Awesome. Which which one of these matches would you recommend the highest? So I have uh, Evil and Sonata versus Dangerous Techers and versus Ishii and Yoshihashi both at four stars. 
But I think if you were only going to pick one, I'm probably leaning more towards the Ishii and Yoshihashi match. You know, Ishii, when he's a main event, he just kind of kicks it into another gear, and um, his exchanges with um, Evil were great in that match. It reminded me of, was that the G1 match they had? Um, or was that earlier? No, was that, when did they wrestle earlier in the year? Evil and Ishii? Yeah. Um, Dontaku? Don, yes, it reminded me of the Dontaku Or maybe match. it wasn't Dontaku, it might have been New Beginning. Right, somewhere in the beginning of the year. I think it's the match is on the Strong Style Fight of the Year um, candidate list. So it reminded me of that match. And so, yeah, I love Evil and Ishii in the ring together. So, yeah, I would definitely, if you're only going to pick one, that uh, main event from the November 29th show. I did want to say this. I mean, so, I mean, this is the third year that we've covered the World Tag League. I... I I don't know if we have a recommended list from each tag league, but like, I feel like, not all the time, but I feel like there was quite a few matches from both tournaments that were like four and a quarter, four and a half. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like stuff that trended way above four stars. This year, it's like, if you get a four star match, you're like very lucky. A am I wrong in feeling that way? Or? No, you. I feel like the exact same way. Um, it's like the, the tag league started off real hot and then it, it dropped, man. And compared, you know, we've reviewed what? It's the third tag league that we uh, have been reviewing in the previous two years, man. It was just, uh, like you mentioned, you had some higher highs. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I do want to note before we talk about um, each of the teams here, there were some angles with um, Goto and Kenta. Th throughout the tour, you had some matches where, Goto would uh, jump Kenta after a match. You have a match where Kenta would jump Goto after the match. They had a brawl um, during the backstage comments. So they are definitely heating up this um, Goto and Kenta match, which kind of leaves uh, the question on where does Shibata uh, kind of fit in the picture here? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think it's exactly what we've discussed previously. I mean, it seems to me, and I'm just, it just seems like it, they're going with Kenta and Goto. Yeah. I mean, because the only, honestly, the only option that I could see that if, if if the match was Shibata, I'm not saying it is, if it was, they could potentially do Goto and Kenta as a main event on one of the Road to Tokyo Dome shows that will be coming up in a couple weeks. And then some kind of angle is shot there that would set up Shibata and Kenta for one of the nights at the Dome. They could do that. I don't think they're going to do that. I think we're getting Kenta and Goto in the Dome, and we will get Bull Club interference, which will lead to Shibata making the save for Goto, and then Goto probably beating Kenta. Yeah. So that's what I think is going to happen there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I, I want to, like, give more insight, but I feel like we've, week after week after week, we've discussed this scenario and it's becoming very apparent that, like, Shibata's not there. Shibata's not on these shows, you know? Right. Uh, they're not building. They're not even really in the post-match. Yes, they're kind of talking about Shibata, but it's really about. It's really between both of them, yeah. Yeah, it's really about Kenta and uh, Goto. And, I mean, they could be setting up the match with Shibata. That's always a possibility, I suppose, or a tag team match or whatever your dream scenario is. But the likely thing that they're doing here, what it seems like, it feels a lot like when Suzuki and Goto were in the tag league together setting up their match for Wrestle Kingdom. It feels right. it feels a lot like that. And I don't with how much emphasis they're putting onto it, I don't expect them to do that. They're definitely not doing it at the World Tag League. 
No. Yeah. Unless they are not the finals, unless they uh, change the schedule because the schedule's already announced. So it would have to be on a road to Tokyo Dome show. It just seems so unlikely. So unless something really changes, we're not getting a Shibata match. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it. <laughs> that's what's happening. All right, so now we're going to talk about these teams and kind of give a uh, our our grades on these teams on their performances thus far. We'll start at the top of the standings to the bottom, and um, I have the standings here based off of the VOD show from night twelve. Uh, night thirteen happened today on Monday, but it will drop tomorrow on Tuesday because a VOD show. So on the top of the standings, we have Evil and Sonata, who are nine and one and have eighteen points. Uh, what would you? Uh, what are your thoughts on Evil and Sonata, and what would be your uh, grade on these guys thus far? Oh man, um, I don't know. Honestly, like I've I've fallen behind at this point, so I mean I'm almost needing to kind of rely on you <laughs> at this point. I mean, what are your thoughts on Evil and Sonata? Evil and Sonata, I think they have been a really solid team. I think they're a team you can uh, kind of trust on to have pretty much good matches with all the teams that are in this tournament. Uh, I think overall, I'd probably give them uh, a solid B as their grade. Um, they've had some great main events like we talked about, uh, Dangerous Techers, uh, Ishii and Yoshihashi. And all of their matches have kind of been um, in that either, you know, that three and a quarter to three and a half range. Or if you're in the main events, their matches usually kind of get into that that four star range. So they they kind of been one of the, the highlight teams here. And obviously they're... Former tag champs, they've won the World Tag League twice in a row. The main narrative for them in this tournament is wanting to, you know, win the tournament three uh, years in a row. And they want to be like, you know, Rapungi 3K, with the, the Junior Tag League. So uh, they've been a really solid team, and, you know, they've had some enjoyable matches. So, yeah, I'm going to beat all these guys. Yeah, I mean, at this point, um, I, I I tend to agree with you. I haven't seen every single match that they've had, but, I mean, if you just look at this past week, uh, we talked last week about them having kind of a somewhat lackluster performance throughout the tournament. It seems like as time has gone on, they've kind of turned it up, turned up a little bit more. And I mean, two two recommended matches back-to-back with uh, Dangerous Techers and Ishin Yoshihashi. And, I mean, they are main eventing a lot of these shows as well, correct? Right. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense why they're having to step it up just uh, a bit. But, I mean, uh, given the fact that they've won this tournament two years in a row, that they've been the standard bearers for the, uh, you know, for the, the tag division, go, you know, for the last two years going strong, it makes sense why they're at the top of the point leader at this point. And and I'd have to agree. B, I think B's a fitting grade. So next we have uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi, who are 8-2 and two with 16 points. And actually, we should let you guys know, we uh, I'm going to give you guys a breakdown here at the end. These uh, point totals and um, records are based off of what is available on New Japan World. There was a show earlier today, December 2nd, with which actually changed some of these. But um, as of December 1st show, that that's where they're at. Right. And so for your breakdown, you're going to use the, up, the updated rankings, right? I'm going to try to. I noticed that some of the information that I had uh, is wasn't complete when I made my breakdown because they hadn't. They, they just did it weird. It was I was getting it off of uh, this is what happens when you use Wikipedia. <laughs> so it happens. But, um, yeah, I'm going to try to for sure. All right. So uh, next up, Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi. Like I said, they're 8-2 with 16 points. Yeah, I mean, Ishii always 
does well in this tournament. You know, for the past years, he's teamed with Yano. Now they got him with Yoshihashi and um, a little bit more of a serious tag team. And, um, you know, he, they're doing very, very, very good. Uh, you know, I think there are a lot of people who are fans of this uh, pairing between the two of them. And, I mean, um, eight and two, not too shabby. And they've had some of the be- better matches in the tournament. Um, I would even go as far as to say, like, probably the MVPs of the tournament. Right, yeah. For my grade, I'm thinking the... Well, uh, it, they're one of the top two teams, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, and I would give these guys a B plus because I think, like you mentioned, Ishii, and we talked about this on the the uh, the bonus show for the awards when we we're talking about Ishii, how he's just so versatile and like no matter what situation you put him in, he's gonna make it great. So you put him in a team with Yoshihashi, he, he makes it work out. And these guys have been, like you mentioned, one of the top two teams. They've had a lot of great uh, matches here. Um, a lot of their matches, just like Evil Sonata, kind of range in that three-and-a-half-star to four-star range. And, you know, they're one of the teams that could get good matches pretty much out of all the teams in this tournament. Yeah. So the next team, we've got uh, G.O.D., Tamatonga, Tangaloa at 8-2 and two with uh, 16 points. They are your current reigning IWGP uh, heavyweight tag team champions. And um, I don't have much to say, honestly. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, I- they... they, they are doing well in the points, but these matches really are nothing to write home about. Right. I'm actually very disappointed um, in G.O.D.'s performance. Disappointed, but <laughs> not surprised. And, you know, we've been singing G.O.D.'s praises this year. On uh, Once again, on the preview show, we talked about what a great year they had and why they could be one of the top teams for tag team of the year. But then you, you look at, you know, we, we, think the, we sing their praises and they come out here and they have this tournament where – Literally below three-star matches, Um, a a lot of shenanigans, a lot of, you know, gimmickry, a lot of smoke and mirrors, you know, they're they're not out here like like an Evil Sonata or Ishii Yoshihashi, you know, busting their butts and trying to have good matches on this tour. And maybe they are, I don't know, I mean, I'm not one to say, but I mean, I just think, I'll just leave it at this, this is a team that we we know are capable of more, they're not delivering it. And then I want to say that with this caveat, it's tag league. <laughs> True, <laughs> it's tag league. <laughs> like anything, anything negative we say or positive, I'm just gonna be like, it's tag league, you know. So wait, I, wait. I'm just I'm getting lulled into it. Like they've beaten the optimism out of me. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're go back and listen to the episodes of tag league two years ago. I'm like this bright bright eyed kid, bushy tailed kid, and nah nah man, it's tag league. G.O.D., they're kind of sucking. They yeah. kind of suck. I think G.O.D. gets a D. Yeah, I agree with you. And you gave Ishii Yoshihashi a B plus. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, move on. The next team, the team affectionately known as Finjuice, David Finley and Juice Robinson, are at 16 points, 8 and 2. And um, I retract what I said earlier. I said Ishii and Yoshihashi are my MVPs. I think Finley... And Juice are probably the MVPs. Yeah, I mean, we still have a few more nights to kind right of now. to get the final. But as of right now, you could say Finn Juice could be one of your candidates for MVP of the tournament. I mean, you can, we'll get to that. Well, you could always go Dangerous Techers. But, I mean, realistically, you know, for how many consecutively good matches, it's probably either the cast team of Yoshihashi and Ishii or right. Finley and Juice. Yeah, I think by by the time it comes to the final night and 
on next week's review when we name the official MVP, I think it's going to come down to Finjuice or you know, Ishii Yoshiashi. Yeah, and, um, you know, Finjuice start off really hot. Um, they kind of tapered off somewhere in the middle, but they're not having bad matches for the most part, and if they are, it's with teams that are doing very poorly. But they're, they're ha- most of the people are having really good matches with Finjuice, and, I mean, they're getting over and... You know, everything else we talked about. And so, yeah, they're doing good. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they seem really energized and motivated to be back together. Um, got the matching gear. They got the T-shirts. Um, the, the backstage promos have been uh, hilarious. So, yeah, these guys have just been gelling really well. And B plus? Having, yeah, B plus. The only thing is, like, I feel like I'm in, like, the twilight zone. Because, like, we're, we're going through these teams, and I'm like, I'm saying all the same things I said the last, like, three weeks in a row. I, like, I'm getting to a point where I'm like, God, World Tag League, <laughs> right? And that, and that's you know, that's the reason why I didn't want us to like go night by night and For match sure. by match because literally, Dude, last week was soul sucking. It was like one of my least favorite shows we ever did. We had to we had to drop an entire extra episode that week just to make <laughs> up for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So uh, next up, uh, Torianu and Colt Cabana. They're uh, eight and three, 16 points. They're funny. They're doing good. I'd go C. I think I'd go C plus. I mean, they've been very entertaining. Yes, it's kind of been some of the same shenanigans um, night after night, but it's it's been funny. It's been entertaining, and they've actually had a few like really good matches. And Cabana's Superman uh, pin has become one of the the deadliest finishers in New Japan. Right. You got the you know, you got the one winged angel. You got uh, what's a what's a the, the uh, Blade Runner? Yeah, you got the that's exactly the Blade Runner, and then you got the Superman pin right up there. Yeah, Bad Luck Fall, <laughs> King Kong knee drop, Superman pin, absolutely. Yeah, that Superman pin, it's that's it, it's over. I don't care who you are, Okada, Jay White, anybody, anybody can get caught. <laughs> they so, all yeah. they all bow down to the Colt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean th- that's fine. They've had they had a couple okay matches, but for the most part, for me, it's like they're having the same match every night. See, that's where I'm at. Gotcha. Uh, so next up from Suzuki Goon, Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer, seven and three with fourteen points. Yeah. So uh, Suzuki and Archer are doing uh, fairly well in this tournament, uh, beating a lot of teams. They still have yet to face most of the top teams in this tournament, so it remains to be seen whether they stay at this uh, lower level in the tournament or they you know, make themselves viable contenders to win the point leaders. But, um, yeah, I think, I think Archer and, uh, Suzuki, they're not doing fantastic, but they're not necessarily doing bad. They're just kind of doing like the Suzuki Yoon stuff, just brawling a lot, you know, beating up young boys, going to the crowd, just, they're kind of like just having fun out there and they're not really overexerting themselves. <clears throat> they both have probably big things going on at the dome. So, Right, and you know, honestly, the thing that's been really killing me with these Archer matches, and we've talked about it over and over again, is the claw, man. That where he does that, that he grabs a claw and bashes their head um, against the ring and goes for the pin. Like it just doesn't look strong. Like I'd much rather him like hit, like we said before, hit the blackout and put the claw on as a pin, or hit a choke slam, put the claw on as a pin. Um, it just like. It's a flat ending for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I, I think I'd give these guys a C. Yeah, Suzuki and Archer are fine. C. 
So then uh, we got uh, Jeff Cobb and Mikey Nichols, uh, seven five with fourteen points. Yep, this is a team that we didn't know what to expect when it came to their performances. They've gelled surprisingly well. Uh, for me, the underachievers, or I'm sorry, the overachievers of the tournament, and that has nothing to do with their actual talent or skill level, but has to do with the expectations for this like pairing going into the tournament, and they've exceeded those expectations. Um, Cobb and Nichols doing very well. Um, I'd go B. Yeah, I go B as well. Yeah, like you said, we just didn't know what to expect from this random uh, mishmash. You know, your your uh, what's that game? Your um, man, the game that Rich always uh, Fire Pro. Fire Pro. Yeah, you're, you hit the random button on Fire Pro. You got Nichols and Cobb, but they've been working really well together. They've had a lot of great match or well, a lot of good matches, and um, have gelled really well together as a team on this tour. Absolutely. So, so yeah, B. So next up, we got Shingo Takagi and El Terrible, five and five with ten points. Yeah, so um, Shingo and Terrible, this they've been fine. Um, I mean, there's Shingo's really the one that's carrying the match. Terrible is getting over to an extent. Um, the fans are super into this pairing, you know. Uh, so I mean, from that standpoint, they've been pretty good. Um, they've had a couple good matches, nothing egregious, you know. Seeing Shingo work with all these different guys that he's never worked with before has been interesting, to say the least. But I haven't been blown away. Um, for them, I might just go, say, C+. Yeah, I go, <clears throat> excuse me, I go C+, as well. Um, like you said, Shingo has kind of been carrying the load for the team. Um, and like you mentioned, real, really great seeing him mix it up. I really love, I really love the, you know, the Tanahashi interactions. Um so, yeah, I mean, Terrible has been fine. Um, you know, nothing blow away, nothing bad, but he's, he's just kind of been there. But like you mentioned, he's he's getting over. The fans have taken a liking to him. And they've actually told a good story of, you know, Shingo and Terrible getting to know each other. And Shingo want to learn more Spanish and kind of, you know, them, you know, wanting to gel better as a team. And so they've kind of told a story throughout the tournament of them learning each other and working together and kind of picking up some momentum. So, yeah, I go C-plus with these guys. So uh, next up we have from the Bullet Club, Kenta and Yujiro Takahashi, who are also 5-5 five and five with 10 points. Yeah, so um, Kenta and Yujiro. Oh, man. So Kenta is you know, in, engrossed in this kind of feud with uh, Goto that we kind of touched on. They've done a lot of angles. They've had a lot of backstage pro, uh, promos on one another. That's kind of the thing that's um, the overarching story for their run through this Super Juniors, or <laughs> through this World Tag League. I wish he was Super Junior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sitting at 5-5 five and five at 10 points, it's not really a, a great record, just like Shingo and them. Uh, middle of the pack, I, I don't know. I haven't been impressed with this pairing. Uh, they've done some funny stuff with, like, Peter and Yujiro and things like that. But, I mean, the matches really have been nothing to write home about. And, you know, when we talk about it's World Tag League, guys got stuff to do at the Dome. They're protecting them. That's what this tag team's about. Nothing about this tag team, to me, is overly entertaining. I mean, unless you really like the Bull Club shenanigans and antics that's fine but they haven't i don't even know if they've had a single good match yeah i can't think of one of their matches that i've enjoyed at all yeah i'd go d 
Yeah, I go D as well. So next up, we have the Dangerous Techers, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi, who are 5-6 and six with 10 points. Yeah, what are your thoughts on this team? So um, uh, I've been really surprised, and I think we mentioned it last week, I'm just surprised at how low this team is on the, the, the rankings and the standings here. Um, I thought for sure this would be a team that would be up the top and that would be one of the potential teams you know, alive going into this weekend. Um, but for whatever reason, they've taken a lot of losses. And, um, you know, based off of, you know, Sonata pinning Saber again, I'm pretty sure we're going to get Saber and Sonata at the Dome. So clearly Sonata, or Saber has some plans for the Dome. I'm not sure what, what's in the store for Tai Chi, but I just wasn't expecting this team to be this low. But from an in-ring standpoint, um, they've had some of the, the better matches of this tournament, especially those first uh, three nights. They were busting out some bangers. And uh, they've been fine on the, the VOD nights and kind of picked back up on the live shows. Uh, but they have been, I would say, though, they're in contending for one of the MVPs of this tournament. Yes. Uh, tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr., it's interesting. We'll, we'll give you a breakdown, but they are virtually nearly eliminated from the tournament already. They didn't have such a hot start. Um, and then you know, took some very early losses to a lot of the, the better big-name teams here in the tournament. I think when it's all said and done, they'll probably be winning the majority of their matches going forward and probably end with a respectable point total. I mean, sitting at, what, 12 right now? Uh, they're, they're 10 based off of the night 12 rankings. Gotcha. Well, at, spoiler, as of December 2nd, they're at 12 <laughs> points. They've got a, another three nights to go. So, I mean, I think they can, um, let me see here. Actually, I'm sorry, four nights. So, you know, if they won, like, the last three or four, they might end up at, like, 16, something like that. Um, 16 points, something like that, yeah. Um, Maybe 18 at the most if they won all their matches. So, I mean, that's a pretty good point total. But overall, I mean, they they have almost no shot to win this tournament. So that's kind of surprising. But even with that, they're still putting forth an effort. They're still having really good matches. Actually, that Black Zack driver has grown on me. It's gotten better. The first time they did it, they landed it kind of awkward, and I wasn't a huge fan. But now that they've kind of got the timing down on it, I'm a big fan. And, um, you know, what What can I say that I haven't said already? This is a great team. Um, very impressed with them. I'd go maybe say B, B minus. I don't know. Yeah, probably go B. Yeah. So uh, next up, we have Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima. Ten Cozy. Yep, and I don't even really feel like I have to say too much about them. Long tenure team, legendary team. Uh, they're doing the best they can. Um, Kojima rocks. Tenzan's moving a little rough. Um, I'd go C+. Yeah, I'd go C+, as well. And, uh, yeah, they're at eight points right now. Uh, Kojima has been working really hard on this tour. Um, you know, he's been carrying the heavy load for this team, and it's even been mentioned in the backstage comments by Tenzan. And uh, Kojima, he's if they win, Kojima gets the fall. If they lose, uh, Kojima's actually been taking the falls too. So, working super hard all over the place in these matches. Um, having you know, he's had a, they've had a lot of like three and a half star matches based off of Kojima's work alone. Uh, so yeah, that C plus ranking definitely. Uh, I, I would go with that for them. Yep. Uh, the next team we've got Great Bash Hill, Togi Makabe, and Tomooki Hama sitting at six points, three and nine. Um, not quite the worst team in the tournament, 
but very close. They're one of them. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much about what I've got to say there. Right. It's the same thing. Makabe taking as little bumps as possible. Um, Hanma, he's just not uh, 100%. And so you put those together and you, you get the team that we've been getting in this tournament. Yep. So uh, what, what would you give them a grade-wise? Uh, D. Yeah. Uh, I'll agree with that, D. So the next team, uh, Bullet Club team, Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale, three and seven, six points. Uh, Chase Owens doing the best he can, but uh, Fale's in there, and they are really not having a good tournament, points-wise total, or even just in general. Uh, if I was Chase, I would rethink my tag team partner next year. <laughs> um, yeah, with this team, I would go D minus. Ooh, wow! It, it's bad, man. Have yeah. they had a single good match? No, they haven't. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, it's been rough. <laughs> Any other thoughts, or you want to move on? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not really much to say. Like like we said, Fale's gonna Fale. Chase is gonna try and have a good match, but. It just, it just hasn't been clicking. Chase taking a little easy, too. <laughs> and again, it's, it's World, World Tag League. Yes. <laughs> um, the next team, Hiroki Goto and the uh, LA Dojo Young Lion, Carl Fredericks. They sit at two and eight with four points. Um, probably by far the best team on this side of the spectrum of the points total south of Dangerous Techers. Uh, I think that. They've been really good. Obviously, the story with Kenta and Goto and all the, you know, um, different experiences that uh, Fredericks is getting. We kind of touched on that the last few weeks. But uh, I think that this team is is a, is a really good team, and they're having a lot of really good matches. Um, I'd even go, say, probably B-minus. With That's this exactly team. what I was thinking, B-minus. These guys have been out there and having really good matches. Uh, Carl Fredericks, we say it every time we talk about him. This guy's a star. Uh, just his, his presence in there and just – his, his mannerisms and his maneuvers, his drop kick is beautiful. Uh, this guy, he has all the tools, man. Like, once he becomes, um, you know, a, a full-on main roster star, man, like, the sky's the limit for this guy. And uh, everybody he's been in the ring with has given him a lot. He's gotten to shine in this tournament. And then, uh, obviously, Goto has looked very well as well. And, um, you know, all the angles with Kenta has been good. So, yeah, I'm B-minus with these guys. And then the last two teams, we have the team of Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of the universe, and Toa Hanare sitting at two and nine with four points. Uh, I'm a bit surprised at their standings in the point totals. I kind of thought they'd do a bit better than this. But with that being the case, you understand Toa Hanare is on the team. He's a, po- he's a pin eater. Um, th- this hasn't been a bad team by any means. They've had good matches. It's it's a character building and uh you know sort of um, tournament for Toa Hanare. It's kind of a something for Tanahashi to do to pass time before he wrestles Chris Jericho. Right. Um. But they've been good. I mean, they've been entertaining. Uh, I've got no complaints. Yeah, they've been a solid tag team, and like uh, Tanahashi has been saying in the backstage comments, he wants to help Toa Hanare grow. That's his focus of you know being in this tournament with him, and I think he has done that and. It's been great for Tohanara to get time in there of Tanahashi and kind of be mentored by Tanahashi throughout this tour. Um, so I think it's definitely been beneficial for Tohanara. And, you know, not going out there, you know, Tanahashi's not going out there and really killing himself besides, you know, doing high-fly flows and missing and wrecking his knees. Uh, but, you know, 
I think I'd go what, like maybe a C plus with these guys. Maybe B C, C, C plus, plus is probably fine. Yeah, yeah. And then the final team, uh, Manabu Nakanishi, Yuji Nagata. I would say the worst team in the tournament, not just from a point standing, but also probably from performance. Although I don't know, it's pretty close. It, it's it, it, there's a few teams here pretty bad, but uh, they they're at one in ten, <laughs> two points. Yeah, I, I think I don't know. They might be my my worst team of the tournament. And um, you know, we've said it before. Nakanishi's looking a little rough. Nagata's still Nagata, but he's not looking like the Nagata from New Japan Cup earlier this year. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I would go D minus with this team. Yeah, same. So I mean that we handed a lot of D's, a lot of C's, <laughs> no A's. This tournament is not looking like the other tournaments that we've had this year, sir. <laughs> yeah, one of these things is not like the other. So uh, let me give you guys the updated point totals. As of uh, December 2nd, there was a uh, night 13 was this past, uh, was today. It is going to be a video on demand show, so it's not available on um, New Japan World just yet. But we're sitting with Evil Sonata at 20 points. Finn Juice and G.O.D. tied at 18 points. Ishii, Yoshihashi, Yano and Cabana uh, tied at 16 points. Suzuki and Archer. Cobb and Nichols at 14 points. Takagi and Terrible, Kenten Ujiro and Dangerous Techers all tied at 12. Fale and Owens and Tenzan and Kojima at 8. GBH at 6. Hanari and Tanahashi, Goto Fredericks both uh, at 4. And then Nagata Nakanishi at two points. So we are at night 13. There's 17 nights here. We've got four more nights left on the schedule. Now for most teams, for a lot of the teams, there are still four scheduled matches. But keep in mind, for some teams, they actually have less nights than that. Um, So when you're kind of looking at the math and the breakdown of where we're at with things, you have to kind of keep into consideration how many more... um, how many more nights do each of these performers actually have so that they can potentially win points? So with Evil and Sonata sitting at 20 points, Finn Juice at 18, G.O.D. at 18, you're looking, and all three of those teams still have four nights to go. Uh, so that means that, um, you know, at that point, if you're looking at it, I mean, Evil and Sonata could win, I mean, what's another, what, eight points? Yeah. So, I mean, they've got a max of 28 Finn Juice and G.O.D. have a max of 26. So already I can tell you for sure, uh, Nagata and Nakanishi are completely eliminated. Goto and Fredericks are eliminated. Hanari and Tanahashi are eliminated. GBH is eliminated. Tenkoji is eliminated. And so are Fallen Owens. So that's one, two, three, four, five. So that's the bottom six teams completely gone. And we're at a point where the teams with 12 points, like... Uh, Kenton Ujiro, Shingo, and uh, El Terrible and Dangerous Techers, they are not completely eliminated, but... But essentially they really are. They essentially <laughs> are. I mean, and some of them might already be based on the actual... I haven't gone through and, like, done the calculations of the different scenarios where, like, even if they won all their matches, would they even qualify based on who they've lost or beat because those... Uh, tiebreakers right but even just simple math i mean um if you look at dangerous techers they've got 12 points right now they've got another three nights ahead of them so i mean what what is that six points that can get right so what is that 18 yeah so i mean hypothetically yeah they i guess they could get in there but then finjuice and 
you know, one of these teams would have to lose all their matches. It's probably not feasible. Like, realistically, right now, Dangerous T is pretty much done. Kenta and Ujiro are pretty much done. Takagi and Terrible are pretty much done. Uh, Cobb and Nichols, although they're at 14 points, they only have two nights left. So they're done. So what is that, another four? Yeah. So, I mean, they're, any, any, anyone from Cobb and Nichols down can pretty much only get 18 points, and we've already got teams that are there and, or, or beyond it. So they're done. They're pretty much done. So that brings us to your top six uh, teams, which are uh, Suzuki Goon team of uh, Archer and uh, Suzuki, Yano and Cabana, Ishii, Yoshihashi, G.O.D., uh, Finjuice, Evil, and Sonata. All these teams still have four nights to go, except for Yano and Cabana. They only have three nights left, and they're sitting at 16 points. So, I mean, realistically, what's what's that? Another three nights is, what, six points? Yeah. What's 16 plus six? That's 22. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess they're in play, but realistically, if um, Evil and Sonata, let's say, win just like two more of their matches, they will knock out pretty much the majority of these teams. Right. So, I mean... It, it it's hard for me to imagine that G.O.D., Finjuice, and Evil and Sonata, and Ishii and Yoshihashi are all going to <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> to not win at least another two matches out of the next four. So really, the only teams that really have a shot here are the top four teams, Evil, Sonata, Finjuice, G.O.D., and Ishii and Yoshihashi, and the one outside team that maybe actually has a shot I guess is Suzuki and Archer, but they'd have to be perfect the rest of the tournament. And they're still facing some of these other teams like evil and Sonata. And I think, you know, some of these other teams that they haven't faced so far, chances are they're probably doing the job. So, you know, we've got four more nights and it's already pretty much locked up between six teams already. Right. And these are, well, the top four teams are the, the four teams we said that the top four teams are Evil and Sonata, Finjuice, G.O.D., Ishii, and Yoshihashi. Those are the same four teams that we predicted would be the most likely winners of the tournament. They're also the top four teams that will be facing each other. On the final night. On the final night. <laughs> so, kind of anticlimactic. Like, we're not getting any weird come-from-behind curveballs here. Like, this is as straightforward a tournament as you could possibly get. Like, the losers lose, the winners win. We're here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, we're four nights out, and I mean, uh, the the one good thing is the December third show is video on demand. The December fifth, sixth, and eighth are all live, uh, including the finals, which will be next Sunday. So those shows should be pretty good. Whereas the December third is uh, one more video on demand. I do want to say this: the other night, they instead of having all the show, all the the matches uh, compartmentalized, they actually spliced them together. Um, and and did it as just one show where you could even though it wasn't like seamless the way a regular live show is they they did it to where you'd watch it and it would just go from match to match for what show one of these one of the uh one of the video on demand nights for, for the uh, for the uh the Los Angeles show they did that oh was it oh yeah you're right that yeah, is because also I watch all these World Tag League shows and I had to I'm sorry back out and click through and <laughs> no, no no I now now that you said I remember okay that is I wish they would do more of that yeah. Yeah, because I thought that was easier to watch it that way than to like Having have to, to click and go back. And I'm like, do I really want to click on this next <laughs> match? <laughs> you start questioning your decisions. Right. Like, do I need this podcast? 
Was this, <laughs> was this something I really need to get into? What kind of commitment did I really make? Like, do I want to watch this Nakanishi match or do I want to watch episode four of Mandalorian? <laughs> like, oh man, I, I haven't watched that show yet. Oh man, I love it. Um, but yeah, man, I don't like Disney. Disney's whack. You got, you got heat with the mouse? D- bro, Disney destroys things. Doesn't, I hate Disney. <laughs> I hate it. I don't get how people love Disney. It's, they're fucking up Star Wars. I don't know, man. I'm liking the the Mandalorian series. I'll watch the Mandalorian, but they fucked up Star Wars already. Like, it's not even really Star Wars for me anymore. I'm pissed about it. It's <laughs> stupid. It's not real to you anymore. No, they destroyed it. Oh, man. All right, so that wraps up uh, World Tag League talk for this week. The only thing I'm excited about, these last three nights are live. I'm expecting pretty good matches, pretty good shows. Are they all from Corkin? I think they are, yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that, but I think they are. Uh, but regardless, they're live. There'll be, they'll be a better energy to these shows. The guys will be working um, harder. They work harder on the live shows. So, um, yeah, these this, this week should be um, – we should get some better matches from the shows this week. No. Uh, December 5th, Fukuoka uh, Citizen Gymnasium. December 6th, Grand Messe Kumamoto. And then um, December 8th, the finals, Hiroshima Green Arena. So uh, no, more, no more shows from Corkin, but all these are live shows. The finals are usually pretty good, and that will be live on Sunday. So we will be back on Monday uh, giving you the breakdown and the the review of the entire tournament, yeah. the finals. We'll crown our uh, MVP of the tournament. Yep, and um, then, you know, we're just uh, a few short weeks away from... Wrestle Kingdom 13. Well, I was going to say Road to Tokyo, no, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that too. <laughs> All right, so um, that wraps up World Tag League Talk. We have a bunch of questions uh, from some of the listeners here. So uh, first from... The Red- good part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> First from uh, Reddit. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, I told you, man. A lot of questions. Uh, Reddit user Asayo Jimbo. He says, since everyone wants Naito to leave Russell Kingdom double champion, how do you think... Not o- everybody. <laughs> how do you think Okada would handle the loss this time? His character broke down last year over losing to Kenny at Dominion. But it's not like Okada actually thinks he'll never lose the belt again, right? Does he break down again and even maybe turn heel? Or does he learn to lose gracefully? That is a great question. I think that that's one of the main criticisms of um, maybe more casual or like fair weather fans of New Japan or maybe even people who aren't actually even fans of New Japan. But it does seem like there's a fair bit of criticism out there on the Internet when it comes to Okada, especially, uh, you know, his title reign this time and, then you know, the previous title reign. Um, a lot of haters, a lot of haters out there for whatever reason. But. You know, a lot of people are like, well, he doesn't really have a character. He's just the Rainmaker. He's the, he's the champion guy. And I'm like, yeah, he, yeah, he's the ace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's only the best performer in the business. Like, right. That's the deal. But it is kind of hard to imagine what Okada's character is going to do if he does lose the belt. Um, I've thought a little bit about this. Um, I can't imagine he stays away from the title picture for too long. Uh, he's still the ace of the company, and he's still young, and I just assume he'll be back before, you know, before too long. 
Right. My my main thing is with with Okada is this: what I would like to see. I want there to be a defining rival for him. I understand that he had the rivalry with Sonata, but for me, I don't think that really. And I'm, anyone who disagrees, I apologize. I'm not trying to criticize it. The the matches were good, the story was good. I, you know, there was definitely good moments, but this wasn't Tanahashi Okada. It wasn't Kenny and Okada. If you, if you understand what I'm saying. I want to see a rivalry with somebody who can really engage Okada on that level as opposed to everyone who's just chasing him. So I don't know necessarily what his character does character-wise. I don't I hope he doesn't go into like a broken. A, yeah, I don't I I don't need to see that again. If he did turn heel, that might be interesting. I don't know what he does without the belt in the meantime, but um I have trust in Gato. I think Gato's got something good and uh, interesting lined up for him. But for me, I, I'm about rivalries. I want to see him in an engaging, character-driven rivalry that produces classic matches. That's what I want out of my New Japan. That's what I want out of Okada. Right, and if he's not going to be in the title picture for a few months, then I definitely think you need to have some kind of compelling rivalry that keeps him out of the title picture um, somebody that can set up some roadblocks for him on his path back to the championship. I'm ready for him to have a multi-match, multi-year series, multi-generational series with somebody. I don't know who. Shingo. I don't know <laughs> who. <laughs> but uh, something like that. Yeah, it could be Shingo. Maybe, you know, Osprey finally beats him at some point this year. Yeah, but I want, I'm not talking about like one match. I'm talking about. A series, yeah, and not a three match series. I want something that spans a lot of time. You it, know what I mean? Something similar to Okada Tanahashi. I'm ready for it, man. I think his character needs it. His character desperately needs it. Uh, you know, he had a great year, but he could have had a better. Imagine how much better his year would, he would have had if he was putting out bangers with somebody. You know, right? He needs a dance partner. Yeah. So uh, moving on to the next question from Reddit user Rambone Slam Pig. Says Tanahashi has a big time dome match with Chris Jericho lined up where it seems somewhat likely he will lose due to the politics of the booking the champion of another company. Heading into 2020, what do you see as his role? Is Tanahashi just below the main event guy who can get heated up at any time? A gatekeeper? Is he transitioning to New Japan dad status? Or is he still a top guy who will be headlining shows and working hot programs in 2020? Yes, 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 and yes. Um, you know, I really think that this is a cop-out, but uh, I think that Tanahashi is going to facilitate this weird sort of amalgamized character who is all these things wrapped into one. Yeah, I can see. I really think that. Yeah, I, I can definitely see him. Some tours he will, you know, Team Fatoa Hanare. And do some opening match tags and other tours. He'll be challenging for a title. Yeah. I mean, Tanahashi's one of their biggest stars. He's still... And I mean, like, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we had questions about him being a dad. Tanahashi will most likely never be a real New Japan dad the way that a Nagata... He's too big of a star in, in the annals of New Japan pro wrestling history. So will he facilitate some sort of quote-unquote dad role, some sort of trainer role. Yeah. But is he also going to be a gatekeeper, somebody that guys who who need to make their name can beat along the lines? Yeah. 
is he also a guy who can draw on top and headline shows and from time to time probably still work a five-star level match or a G1? Yeah. And can you heat him up anytime because he's just the fucking ace? Yeah. So it's like he doesn't have to be any one of these things. He's Hiroshi Tanahashi. He's completely unlike anything else. Like he's going to be a little bit of all these things. I think he's going to play a key role in uh, New Japan of America next year. So I feel like Tanahashi is one of those guys that American New Japan fans, a lot of them maybe have not gotten a chance to see Tanahashi live yet. And so, you know, they're going to several different markets next year of New Japan of America. I could see him, you know, coming over and main eventing some of those shows and kind of being the big draw for those shows for Western fans to, you know, finally get that chance to see Tanahashi live before he uh, eventually hangs it up. I agree. Um, next question comes from Reddit user Grunty Dodds. He says, do you think Liger's retirement will stick or will he get lured out possibly by another Pearl-loving Saudi prince <laughs> for one more match a couple years down the line? Um, no. Yeah, I, I think Liger's retirement will stick. I mean, we hear stories all the time of Liger, um, you know, kind of de-emphasizing his role in the company. He's a guy that... Um, doesn't mind, um, you know, putting other people over. Um, so I can definitely see him. You know, he's the one who, who, you know, he's been out of tournaments. He'll put himself out of tournaments. And, you know, he'll want to highlight other guys and put other people over. Um, and so I think he's going to plan on contributing, you know, being a part of the office, doing commentary, probably doing some stuff in the dojo, getting his fix that way, and then I think he'll be done. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably see maybe a heel to get heat, we'll, you know, try and mess with him on commentary, but I don't think it will ever lead to him coming out of retirement. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be optimistic here and say Liger, is, and it's been quoted in the media that he's he's a type, he's said, allegedly, from what I understand, that he doesn't want to go out when he's not good anymore. Uh, he wants to go out when he's still good. He understands he's not at the same level as most of the athletes that are performing today. So he's trying to go out on his own terms. They're giving him the big send-off. Now, could something happen and he end up working a tradition show or one of these, you know, produce shows or, you know, what have you down the line? Maybe. Uh, could he be lured out of retirement for enough money? Possibly. It's pro wrestling. It happens all more, the time. Yeah. All the time. More often than not. I mean, could he get a New Japan Rumble slot? I don't think he'll work in New Japan. I, I really don't because they're, they're giving him the, the big send-off. I don't see that happening unless something crazy happens. I mean, you never know. I think if they did bring him back, it need to be for a, a legit reason. I don't think they'll just do a nostalgia run necessarily but uh, or like even like a little cameo like that. Um, but I'm going to be optimistic and say I think Liger's retirement is going to stick and that this will literally be the last time we watch him wrestle. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, next question from Fonz96. He says, if Naito walks out of Wrestle Kingdom double champ, how long do you see his reign going? Personally, for his story to be complete, I believe he just needs to beat Okada for the IWGP title at Wrestle Kingdom and doesn't necessarily need a long reign. If I could fantasy book, I'd have Naito win the title and then drop the I the <laughs> and then drop the heavyweight belt to Ishii at <laughs> Uh, this way, Naito gets his big moment in completion of his story arc while also allowing Ishii to finally get his appreciation run with the title for being so great slash consistent. Also, it helps get the title on Ishii without him having to beat Gato's top boys like White or Okada for the belt. 
Is this Rich? It's I don't think so unless Rich has a, a Reddit burner. But Rich is pretty bold about his love for Ishii, so I don't think he would make a burner. Rich would never uh, would never cop for Naito winning the uh, double right, title. Right. But maybe he's come around to it and been like, all right, it's going to happen, but at least we get this Ishii run out of it. <laughs> Um, if Naito is winning both belts, which, which I think he is, I, I think his reign should at least be until Dominion. Um, may I don't maybe after G one, but I definitely think at least until Dominion he should hold the belt. I will defer from you there. I think that traditionally speaking, a respectable run goes through till at least April. That's the next really big show. You, I mean, you could have him drop it. New beginning, that's pretty embarrassing. Then New Japan Cup's going to come up, and the anniversary show. There's no title defenses there, really. Right, so it's the champion versus champion. Yep. So the next really big title. Oh, look at Naito versus Hiromu. Yeah. Have you not thought about that? I think we might have had a question about it, but I just remembered like that could potentially happen. <laughs> that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about that too, but um, I think I think that whatever that. Big April show is whether it's Invasion Attack or Sakura Genesis or G1 Supercard or whatever you want to call it. That's the very bare minimum. That's where it would be. Um, if he were to lose it at New Beginning, that'd be shocking and uh, pretty pretty demoralizing. I think. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, though, um, your Ishii booking, as fun as that sounds, is crazy they're never yeah they're Ishii, never doing that <laughs> once you hold the never title you are never getting the iwgp title well, and we love ishii like we really 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 love him but i also understand that he's not winning the belt and if he does win the belt it's not happening at dominion he no. is not headlining it's, it's gonna happen at new beginning or it's gonna destruction happen. or something when he gets a title run, he's winning it in Cork and Hall. <laughs> Him and Nakanishi, the only two guys to ever win the belt in the Cork and Hall. The, yes, I said the Cork and Hall. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I'm sorry. The truth is, like Ishii's probably never sniffing that title. Yeah. Uh, next question. Uh, thank you for the question, though. Uh, from and and you know what? And I don't want to come off like sound cocky or anything like that. It, it's not that at all. It's just. Gato's not putting the title on Ishii. Right. I mean, it's been this long. How, how hard would you mark out if Ishii won the belt? Dude, I would lose. I think I'd pull a U like when uh, Bro, I'd fuck, I'd Tanahashi fuck won G1. I'd knock over that couch over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question from uh, Just Little Bear one says, it's been over four years since there was a major stable change in New Japan. What do you feel is the most likely stable to dissolve or break up to form a new faction? I would personally guess chaos as it feels like they don't even roll as anything like a unit anymore. So I think the two factions that I think need to shake up the most is, yes, Chaos that uh, Just a Little Bear mentioned. Also, I think Los Ingobernables, De Hapon, there needs to be a shakeup there. And with LIJ, you have a lot of guys that are kind of starting to break out. You, had, you have Sonata, Evil, and Chingo. Who could all potentially be pushed as uh, single stars? Um, I mean, I said it before. I think Shingo is a potential dome main eventer, and you know, a lot of people have been saying, you know, Shingo is too good to kind of just be, you know, a member of Lij and kind of be under Naito. So a lot of people want to see Shingo break out. There have been rumors that the plan for 2020 is to push Evil and to break him off from Lij and from teaming with Sonata. So we could be seeing Evil 
uh, turn and break off um, 2020 if the rumors are true. Um, so I would like to see a shakeup in LIJ and then Chaos. Yeah, I feel like Chaos is one of these stables that are, are kind of bloated. And then this year they've kind of, um, you know, Chaos has kind of been merged with, you know, Gucci Japan and Sekigun guys. Like, it feels like kind of all over the place. So I would kind of like to see a, 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 some kind of split there. Honestly, if we're being realistic, like, okay. Yes, Chaos is not necessarily unified in the sense of like they're not always seconding each other they're not always you know out there like rolling as a unit the way that maybe like say like an lij or bullet club does but with that being said if you just look at like their interactions their social media they're very much maybe the most unified uh group in new japan um i agree about there being some confusion about the kind of crossover of Taguchi Japan slash Sekigun. But I I don't think they're going away as long as Okada's at the top. I mean, there could be some changes and right. shifts. Yeah, I'm not saying, like, completely go away, but maybe you have some guys kind of split off and do something different. I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, I agree. It's been four years since there was, like, a really... Well, that's not totally true. He said there's been four years since there's a major stable change. It's not entirely true. I think he means probably, like, new stables. Right. Because, I mean... You know, in the past, like last year alone, we got the breakup of Bullet Club and the Elite. We also got the shakeup with uh, Jay White and uh, Chaos and everything ar- along those lines. Those were shifts. And then also the, the shift between Sekigun and Chaos and their alignment. But um, I, I'm ready for there to be some major, major shifts. I think that things are extremely stale when it comes to uh, the groups. I really wouldn't be surprised if something happens with... Um, lij this year and you know there's a conundrum there because they're one of their biggest merch sellers they're the most popular group in all of new japan so it's kind of like do they forego that to kind of but you know what it it reminds me of it's the shield Mm. it's very similar to like the shield like it might be that they've done all that they can do and once this storyline plays out with naito winning the title i really won't wouldn't be surprised if there's a breakup I also really wouldn't be surprised if there's a breakup with uh, Suzuki Goon. Yeah. There's a, a lot of, I mean, it's not overt, but it does seem like there could be some shifts there. Right. That's another faction where you have some guys that are kind of breaking out. You have Saber, Taichi, and Archer, which are all three guys that could be pushed as top singles acts in uh, different divisions. I could see some changes in Chaos. I don't see Chaos going away. And I think Bullet Club is the Bullet Club. They're not going anywhere, probably. But those two, if you want my money, it's going to be the two teams that will probably see major shifts, most likely, are LIJ and Suzuki-Goon, which I think there's probably people listening right now and be like, hell no, because they people love those two teams. But um, because they have so many breakout stars, I think that they, they need room to grow. I think that that's why I think there's going to be some shifts. Well, no, a lot of our listeners have been kind of clamoring for a Saber-Goon, so... I don't think it'll be that... Right, but I'm saying like people. I don't think people would be completely sad if Suzuki Goon kind of changes up, especially if it if it did lead to this, uh, you know, Saber Saber Goon kind of thing people want. Yep. So next question from uh, Viking Pain. He says, when it comes to the double champion thing, I think the winner vacates the IC title at New Year's Dash, and then the 2020 New Japan Cup will uh, be used to crown a new IC champion instead of a new number one contender. They could use the tournament and the title to crown and elevate a new main event player 
or uh, main eventer like Osprey or Sonata? Thoughts? So I like that idea. I think, you know, some, sometimes the problem with the IC title, it's clearly kind of seen as this kind of secondary title. And, you know, not all time are people really wanting to fight for it. And we've, we've kind of seen it brought into prominence this year with Naito wanting it and both, you know, everybody wanting to be double champion. But I think having a tournament with people fighting for the, for the IC title and you have a, a lot of top guys, you have your Ospreys, your Sonatas, your Evils, those guys that are kind of on that cusp of kind of breaking out and being um, top main eventers, I think that would be kind of a great play for them to be in this tournament fighting for this title. I agree to a, to an extent. Um, here's my problem with it. Um, we have always traditionally in the past used the New Japan Cup as a method to determine the next major um, title challenger who, you know, has a viable chance. And many of the, of many people who have won the IWGP title have used the New Japan Cup as their method of building credibility in that run to be able to do so. If the New Japan Cup is simply an icy title tournament, which I'm not opposed to, I think that's a good idea. Then we have to start talking about a new method during that period of time from like February to April to set up a new title challenger. Now, I guess you could do that on its own, but it's sort of the tradition of the new Japan cup to be that tournament that establishes a title challenger. Right. They don't really, this is not a company that likes to break away from their traditions, especially long established ones. This one goes over a decade. So I would be surprised if they actually did this. I don't think they're going to, I think that because of the fact that they are, they use this to book their uh, next title challenger and sometimes even champion. You're not going to see a change in the New Japan Cup. I think what really happens is, I, I agree with you. I think whoever wins the double title is going to vacate the IC belt. And I think they're just going to have a new beginning, like either tight mini. Kind of like a small eliminator kind of thing. They might have a, uh, no, I think they'll probably crown the champion there. I think they'll probably either have like a mini tournament mm-hmm. or they'll just name the top two competitors and then have them fight it out for that belt. Most likely. Nothing too dramatic. Yeah. I think that's what they're going to do. So Viking Payne also said, uh, also, Biff Busick in New Japan. Yes, please. So if you guys don't know Biff Busick, that is the indie name for Oni Lurkin, NXT star. Um, it's come out that he has asked for his release from WWE NXT and... Um, yes, I would love um, Biff Busick in New Japan. He does wrestle um, a strong style, and uh, if you saw some of his stuff in uh, PWG and other indies, this guy is a great worker, and I think he would uh, fit in very well in the New Japan system. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Biff Busick is a world-class talent and extremely underrated. Uh, you know, for those who are in the know, they know. But there's a lot of people who don't know, even, like, you know, some people who, like, peripherally, like, followed NXT. They don't even know who, like, Oni Lorcan was or Biff Busick. But, uh, guy's incredible. Um, let's work on him getting his release first. <laughs> and then we can talk about that. And then that. we can talk. But, uh, yeah, I'd be happy. So, uh, next question from Reddit user Just a Little Bear 01. With the Honor Rising show seemingly no longer occurring, what do you feel the potential drawing appeal of a co-promoted RevPro show in Japan would be? Or is it better just to focus in-house at this point, aside from Fantastica Mania? 
Um, yeah, so there's no honor rising on the docket for uh, this coming calendar year. It's around this time that they usually announce the honor rising tour. For those of you that don't know, it's the uh, it's a tour where the uh, stars of Rev or of Ring of Honor, Ring of honor um, come over in March and they they work a series of shows in Cork and Hall with New Japan Pro Wrestling, very similar to uh, the Fantastic Mania tour that will be running in January post dome show so which is only not that far away right it's crazy (laughs) (laughs) so um you know with that being said i uh i don't really know what they end up doing here necessarily um they could do rev pro shows in japan and that might be something fun and good to do my real question is and maybe someone else could answer this for me do they have enough star power to bring over to Japan and really run a series of interesting shows? I don't think so. Uh, what are you talking about? Ring of Honor? Rev Pro. Rev Pro, sorry. Uh, uh, Ring of Honor does, believe it or not. Like, they're not in, at their hottest, but the, it's still a novelty show that happens once a year in Cork and Hall around Smarky fans who like that. They like that show. Mm-hmm. So even though Ring of Honor is not their hottest, I mean, they still have their Dalton Castles. They still have PCO. They still have Matt Taven. They still have Jay Lethal. They still have, like, those stars. Even though they're not, like, star, star, stars, they're still stars. But when you think about, like, Rev Pro, it's like, who does the Japanese audience know that they can bring over that's, like, really got to move the culture you know what i'm saying right i'm trying to pull their uh, roster up right now because i'm not 100 percent familiar with their roster i mean clearly you know um, a lot of their guys are new japan guys zach saber jr um is their uh current champion el Fantasmo is the uh british cruiserweight champion so uh they have the a kid who's now signed with uh nxt uk so he won't be coming they, they over they can't they can't use him um uh, i mean there's carlos romo team white wolf uh yeah, uh, Chris Brooks, uh, David Starr could be a guy you could bring over. David Starr is like the one person you've listed so far that I'm like, okay. Right. Uh, Gabriel Kidd's in the LA Dojo now. Um, scrolling through. Um, Kyle Fletcher you could bring over. So Aussie Open, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, they have a few. My, Michael Oku. Michael Oku is a guy that I, they I see don't a lot. Know, in. I don't know if you could bring Pack over. I don't know what the contract uh, situation looks like there. I mean, there is the they could bring in guys like Shota Umino and the Great Okarn as well, right? And obviously, they already have Saber. So, but they have a lot of people over there that nobody in Japan really is that familiar with or knows that well. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's a hard sell, but. You know they could do they could do repro they could do that that's definitely a possibility I'm not saying it wouldn't happen. Um, there was some reason was it you and me that were talking and I was saying that I felt like they could do like a legends thing. Yes. Why was I saying that? Because they are doing uh, Tiger Hattori's uh, retirement tour. Oh, that's, that's what's replacing those three nights. That is okay. Okay. I've been thinking about this all day, and I was like, why did I think that they would just run a bunch of legends? I'm like, why would I? I was like, there had to be some sort of catalyst that made me feel like that that's something they would realistically do. And I was like, why would I think that? Because I couldn't remember. Okay, so uh, here's the deal. 
Tiger Tori's retiring during that tour. Right. It's the first uh, show of the tour, uh, February 19th. So if they end up doing that tour and it just ends up being New Japan Pro Wrestling and they, they just end up doing a tour with their own guys or something like that, that would make a lot of sense to me. But here's the, the other thing. They generally do use this tour as a chance because they always have outside talent. They give quite a few of the guys a break and some time off. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had a lot of legends and that this was some sort of like almost nostalgia run sort of tour with a lot of multi-man matches, you know, things sort of similar to like when um, Super Strong Machine retired or like when you saw the New Japan dads face off against, you know, like LIJ, stuff like that. Right. And with all those legends working the um, the Liger match at Wrestle Kingdom and so many talents from New Japan's history having very, very close uh, kinship and, um, you know, history with Tiger Hattori. I wouldn't be surprised if these if this tour was some sort of, like, tribute tour that had some level of interaction from guys from the past, guys that we traditionally see on, like, a tradition show or something like that. Um, that, that. This might just be a nostalgia show. Or a nostalgia tour. I really that's my prediction right now because of the fact that it's Tiger Hattori's um retirement run. Yeah, and you know, I think it would be better off if they just kind of do either do that or just do kind of focus on a, a in house show, not worry too much about bringing in uh, a bunch of outside guys or trying to do a, a rev pro theme or some something else like that. I mean, I really do like the uh I really like the idea of RevPro being invested in by the company, so that might not be a bad idea to, to right. start bringing them in. I, more. I just feel like with RevPro, they use a lot of the tops, a lot of the top guys just end up becoming roster members. So we've seen, uh, you know, Zach Sabers a roster member, Al Phantasmo, you know, Michael Oku just won the British J Cup. He's potentially going to become a roster member next year. Um, they send over Suzuki as one of the top guys over there. So a lot of the top guys in RevPro essentially are on the new Japan roster already. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they could do something, you know, there's, there, there were those like rev pro crossover shows, you know, where we saw like Keith Lee and um, Ishii and stuff like that. So we'll see what they do. Uh, next question from a uh, Reddit user autonomous M M N. He says, what's the plan with new Japan in America? As far as talent goes, will it be a roster split a la WWE or will Japanese talent come over in between tours? Well, uh, we kind of addressed this a few weeks ago when we talked about what was happening. We really don't know exactly what New Japan uh, of America is going to be. But from what we can tell for the time being, it, it looks like it's f at least mostly just going to be Japanese talent coming over, working with probably a lot of the people that are working out of the dojo, things like that. There might be some guys that are like more exclusive or that live in the States, you know, your TJPs, your amazing reds, guys like that. But for the most part, I don't think it'll be that different from right. New Japan pro wrestling. We're not getting brand supremacy in, uh, <laughs> in new Japan to, uh, to answer the question. It's not dragon gate USA versus dragon gate. It's not two separate entities. It's probably just, you know, expanding their us, uh, focus, but it's not a separate brand. Right. I think based off the press conference, they did say it, there would be like tours, either tours kind of going on at the same time or tours like in between tours where uh, guys could be uh, kind of coming over. So 
yeah, no no roster split, no brand split, no uh, brand supremacy to worry about. Uh, but yeah, we'll be seeing, you know, because obviously the main draw for New Japan shows are the Japanese guys. So, I, you know, we'll see, just like we've been seeing Japanese guys uh, kind of coming over. So, uh, next question comes from Reddit user Dog Whisker. Says, picture Naito being squashed really hard at the dome. What could be the implications? Would it be most impactful on night one or two? I'm talking under 10 minutes. Just a unla- unilateral beating by White or Okada. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't imagine them doing a 10-minute squash match in the Dome. If they did, it would have to happen in the f- on the first night against on the undercard against uh, Jay White. I don't see them doing that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't even know. Like at that point, Jay White fucked this man up three times in a row, and he, and he did it quicker the last time. Like, but can you imagine? Okay, think about this. Can you imagine a ten minute squash match on night two of the Tokyo Dome? No. Come on, man. That's not ever gonna happen. That that's, that sounds like some Vince Man sports entertainment stuff, there, pal. I'm, uh, I'm just thinking, like, I remember when I remember when Inoki got squashed by Vader, and the people rioted so hard that they weren't allowed to come back to the building. They were they were taking their cushions and lighting them on yeah, fire. Yeah, I saw the other clips of that stuff. Yeah, so it's like, uh, no, <laughs> they're not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, if they did it, I think, like you said, it would have to be night one. It had to be Jay White. But yeah, if they if Naito gets a night two and gets squashed, I think that's just that's bad booking. Here's my problem. Uh, dog whisker, you used the term impactful. This wouldn't be impactful. This would be damaging. This would be destructive for them as a company. I, you know, Naito is their biggest, like, merch seller, their biggest star. Um, a lot of people don't like to acknowledge that, but it's true, at least in Japan for the most part. Yeah. There are some guys that are, like, on the same level as him, and maybe his popularity isn't where it was two years ago. But why would they why would they ruin one of their biggest money producers? That literally makes that wouldn't make any sense. Now can it can Naito lose? Absolutely. I think Naito could lose either night or you know, that's or both nights. That's yeah. possible. But he's not getting squashed in ten minutes by White or Okada or Abushi. Right, yeah. This is not happening. And so uh, last question comes from Danny. He says, with a multi or gauntlet tag team title match likely for Wrestle Kingdom, what are the best examples in New Japan of that type of match featuring four or more teams? Um, you know, come to think of it, I can't really necessarily think of a really good tag team gauntlet necessarily. Um, I'm sure that there's probably been something <laughs> decent out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I think about multi-man tag team matches, I mean, there was a long period of New Japan's history where they're a very traditional wrestling company. They didn't do multi-tag team matches. It's like a more modern invention. And, you know, I think a lot of the really good ones are probably the junior ones, the ones with, like, the Bucks and, you know, Forever Hooligans and Red Dragon and... Um, right, and all those... Or yeah, 3K. Yeah, those, like, four-way matches they would do, yeah. Time splitters. 
There's there's quite a few of those. Uh, but I can't even think of one off the top of my head that like I loved or anything like that. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the multi tag team. Right, because like when they do like the, the gauntlet, like with the, the never six man, like they're it's really quick. Like you, you get some guys out there, they did kind of do some like quick eliminations. Like it's usually nothing that special. It's just getting people on the card. I think all the all the multi man matches that the Bucks had in the dome were all really good. Yeah, like I can't recall exactly who all the participants are. I think I've named most of them, and I think they've had some sort of mishmash of those teams that I just listed, but they were all really good. Yeah. So I would I would look those up. I mean, anything the Bucks did in New Japan pretty much was awesome. All right, so that's going to take us to the news. So uh, first news item, uh, voting is now open for the Jushin Thunder Liger best match poll. This is up on NJPW1972.com. Uh, they have a poll where you can vote for Liger's best match uh, throughout his whole career. And you said there's like 164 matches on there? There's 165 matches from 1989 till now, um, <clears throat> which is great. You know, they give you a lot of a lot of choice. Uh, you know, when we do our, our awards, we go a different way. We kind of narrow it down for you. <laughs> um, I think it's a great list of great Liger matches, but... I don't know, man. Even if you were like, I don't know, let's see what's out there. Who's got the time to go through 165? I don't know, man. Uh, that maybe, maybe they were too thorough. Yeah. <laughs> possibly. Uh, but you guys should definitely vote. I mean, uh, here's the other crazy thing. They only gave you eight days to get your votes in. December 10th is the close of the Jushin Thunder Liger best match poll. I'm just worried that it's going to be something like, Liger versus Ishimori or like Liger versus Suzuki, like something from this past year. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> like I hope it's like either his match with like Sano or great Sasuke or like Ultimo dragon, like one of his like, or, or Otani, like one of his actually really, really, really good matches from his time in new Japan and not some him versus Suzuki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, moving on, uh, there's the meet and greets and special talk show are set for the Lions Break Project 2 show that's happening. Um, so on day one, on December 7th, there will be uh, meet and greets at 5 p.m. with Rocky Romero, Ren Narita, Taiji Ishimori, and Yoshinobu Kanomaru. On day two, on December 8th at 5 p.m., there will be meet and greets with Katsuyoro Shibata, Risuke Taguchi, El Fantasmo, and El Desperado, these will all be happening around ringside. And there will be um, a talk show happening at the Chara Expo on um, from 11 to 11.20, where you can meet the mega coaches, uh, Rizuki Gucci and Rocky Romero. They'll be hosting a special panel session titled 69K Times of Fun with NJPW. And the session will see Taguchi and Romero take you through all the numerous ways that you can enjoy New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, TV Asai Channel 2 in Japan is promoting a 30 years of Liger celebration with Liger taking over the station for a 24-hour marathon on December 30th and December 31st. This would be the equivalent of NBC or ABC here in the States doing a 24-hour marathon building up the retirement of a wrestler. Um, like we talked about earlier, there was news about New Japan's schedule. So the company has announced its schedule through early March. 
Um, kind of the key thing there, like we mentioned, there is no Honor Rising Tour show uh, for this year coming up. So after the Tokyo Dome shows on January 4th and 5th, we have New Year's Dash on January 6th at the Ota War Gym. Then there will be the Fantastica Mania Tour from January 10th to January 20th. Then there are shows on January 10th in Osaka, January 11th in Ehemi, January 12th in Kyoto, January 13th in Nagoya. Then there are four dates in Cork and Hall, the 16th through the 20th. Then in February, there'll be three New Beginning shows on February 1st and 2nd in Sapporo. And then on February 9th in Osaka, Joe Hall, um, which will be big because they usually only run Osaka, Joe Hall for Dominion. Um, Then going on into February, the Tiger Hattori Retirement Show will be February 19th at Corken Hall. And then there will be two more nights following that at Corken Hall. Those are typically the honor rising dates, like we mentioned, and not doing that. Then the 48th anniversary show will be happening on March 3rd at Ota Ward Gym. So that's the lineup there for the uh, up until March for New Japan. Nice. Then we have, there was news of New Japan announcer Milano Collection AT. He will be the new head coach and trainer for Stardom. So we're seeing a little bit of crossover there with the Bushi Road um, purchase there. And from what I understand, he's going to be kind of a, um, I guess, like seasonal, I guess. I don't know what the right word, um, kind of, you know, popping in. He's not going to be like the the head coach. Here, Here's one thing I will say. For a lot of newer Western Joshi fans, I've seen some apprehension or tension or fear about Milano collection AT kind of coming in. Um, and I think some of that might have to do with, well, a, he's definitely a company guy with new Japan and, and that sort of thing. So there, they might have some, a point there, but there's also a lot of people who don't really understand the background of Milano collection AT. And they think he's just the dopey play by play guy, like who, you know, just gets beat up and picked on by the wrestlers. When in fact, he's like one of the, like best junior performers of the 2000s and i mean if if someone never saw his work in new japan or on the Ind- you know japanese indies or an roh and like this guy was freaking awesome so i mean if you want someone in there like talking about star appeal character promo work how to carry themselves how to work in the ring like he's the guy to do it like he's a great great like coach to have um, I mean, I can't necessarily sit here and say he's a great coach. I don't know right. how good of a coach he is, but I can imagine with a, a person who has his wealth of knowledge, like he's someone that I'd probably want to have in the gym. So, I mean, like this probably actually is a really good thing, honestly. Right. But from what I understand, it's not like he's going to be there every day. Kigetsu, no, no, no. Yeah, Kagetsu is still going to be kind of the head of kind of training the girls, but he's going to pop in from time to time. But that's a good thing. I mean, like a lot of, a lot of schools do that. You know what I mean? Like right. that's a pretty, that's a pretty normal thing. Like it's not uncommon right he did some, some like special seminars or whatever or even like you know they have a lot of guest trainers come in to the performance center in wwe all the time right you yeah. know um i don't think like Shawn michaels there every day well he is now oh he is now before he wasn't well like okay there are other people who are like, like uh, alex shelley chris saban they were there um but they've had but like before Shawn michaels was coming in like 
seasonally. Right. It wasn't every day. And like, right. you know, so yeah. And uh, we have a uh, Kenny Omega update um, from the you know claims of New Japan trying to keep him out of the, the country. So there was a uh, Wrestling Observer radio last week for interview with Kenny Omega. Uh, but from the newsletter, Dave says there was a long discussion that was not on the show. He said he knew who was behind uh, his having trouble getting in and was outright told at customs that there was an attempt to keep him out of the country for 10 years. For legal reasons, he didn't want to discuss it in detail and that it's an ongoing issue, but he said he took care of everything beforehand when going back, so he was allowed in, even though there was an attempt to block him all three times he went this year. He said it was not anyone he had dealt with and categorized it as a businessman just going in, just doing what they perceived was their jobs, and that he felt those people in New Japan proper probably wouldn't have known about it and that he was not against working for New Japan in the future. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so next, that's that's cool. <laughs> next up, there was some uh, beef that got um, stirred up between Enzo Amore and Tamatanga. So Enzo Amore was on Talk Is Jericho a couple weeks ago with uh, Big Cass, and they were talking about the whole Madison Square Garden stuff, how that all got set up, and talking about how G.O.D. were the ones that kind of blackballed them out of Ring of Honor and got that whole thing squashed. Yeah, it wasn't the fan backlash. It wasn't the, uh, it wasn't like literally the scores and scores of people who like lamb blasted them online. It it was G.O.D. (laughs) And uh, so Enzo said, and I quote, so if I ever saw him out in public, I'm going to walk up to him with my hands up. And so uh, let's get this very clear. Okay, Enzo, I understand that, like, you probably would have beat up Joey Janela. That's fine. Tamatonga's dad is Haku. Yo, you would get fucked up. <laughs> you don't want to mess with those don't, Tongans, man. Don't walk up to a son of Haku with your hands up, you freaking idiot. You will get lit up. He'll smack you up. It doesn't matter where it is. It could be, like, in the public library. It could be at the gymnasium. It could be at a fan fest. It could be in Whole Foods. It doesn't really matter. Tamatanga would fuck you up, bro. Like, bro, you saw Tamatanga. Yeah. You want to mess with Tamatanga? No. I, my my experience is very pleasant. He's bro. very nice. Boss of bear. We always say on the good side. I wasn't trying to mess with a son of Haku. You trying to mess with a Tongan, bro? fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> so, yeah. Then, of course, you know, Tamatanga kind of tweeted about that and so lots been stirring there and you know the kind of the whole video of Tama throwing the ROH belts have kind of resurfaced and all that stuff so there's a couple other um things I saw this week that were interesting I listened to a podcast uh on Wrestling Observer uh radio it was the Pacific Rim podcast with Fumi Saito and Jim Valley they interviewed Chris Jericho discussing his time in Japan and his um future thoughts on working with New Japan going forward and from every indication that he said on this show, and it was a really good listen to, by the way, if you if you guys haven't listened to it, but he sounds like he's going to keep working for New Japan. He does not sound in any way based on based on his statements on this podcast. He did not sound in any way like he's not going to continue to go back to Japan and work for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he did kind of discuss, you know, that there's some tension between All Elite Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, and more just from the business standpoint, he didn't. It didn't sound personal. He's just like, yeah, it sounds like they don't want to work together. You know, that's a bummer. But he's like, 
I'm going to keep going. He's like, I don't, he's like, as long as I'm working for them, I don't anticipate not going to Japan to continue to work. Oh, and then he listed a list of guys that he wants to work with. He's like, me and Will Ospreay can make money. He's like, me and Suzuki could really make a lot of money. He was like, me and Jay White. I was like, oh, hell yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like me and Kota Ibushi. And I was like, dude, like, so he's got a list of guys he still wants to work with. Yeah, um, going and forward. On a similar front, I heard a interview today with uh, John Moxley on the Chris Van Leet podcast, and yeah. he mentioned that as long as he's still wrestling, he still wants to do Japan. He loves going to Japan. So yeah, I listened to that. He didn't really discuss New Japan too much in depth, but I listened to that part, and he did mention he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to keep going to Japan." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right." <laughs> uh, and then last thing here in New Japan news, there was a uh, interview on Fox Sports Australia with New Japan President Harold May, kind of talking about the, you know the expanding of New Japan. Did you? Uh Catch any of that interview? Uh, I saw some of the like, the quotes from it, but I didn't read the whole thing. I, I read it. It was pretty good. He he did talk a, a bit about Kenny Omega, and he talked about the rumors again, and he's like, dude, like this was our world champion. like This is a guy that we had a great professional relationship with. And he's like, "Why we would never do that, you know? So he's, like, really dispelling everything. I understand Kenny's being like, well, they wouldn't know about it, but <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, Kenny. Yeah. All right, that's cool. <laughs> and then in- also... Uh, Harold Mai in that interview was asked about partnerships and he was very subversive about it. He was like, well, you know, um, there's a lot of different potential partners that we're looking at down the line. There's a lot of opportunities. Landscape of wrestling is changing. We're considering all of our options. And I'm kind of like just paraphrasing to say these exact words, but then they were like, he was like, but at the same time, once you're a partner with us, you're kind of a partner with life. It's sort of like a marriage. But he never talks about Ring of Honor specifically, but it makes it sound like, you know, once you're with us, it's forever. Right. He's like, we take a lot of time really, like, thinking out these sort of things before we, like, jump into anything. And then they did ask him at AW. He's like, hey, we're, we're waiting to see, you know, what they're doing, you know, their business model, everything, blah, blah. So, you know, we wish them all the luck in the world. And I'm like, mm, it's very interesting. But he didn't really talk about Ring of Honor when they're talking about partnerships and stuff. And then... Very telling. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear by uh, No Honor Rising that uh, things are uh, shaking up. <laughs> yep. And then uh, just one last thing in other news. We have a Rev Pro show coming up on December 15th. We got Shota Umino taking on Hikaleo, Michael Oku taking on Pack, and then the big main event of Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki taking on Evil and Sonata. So a lot of uh, New Japan action in these uh, past couple of weeks on the Rev Pro. When's uh, when's final battle? Uh, sometime this December thirteenth, I think. So in two Fridays. Yeah. Were you gonna watch it? <laughs> I mean, I still have Honor Club. My subscription, I think, ends in April. So might as well. It's Marty's last Ring of Honor match. Him and Flip Gordon against uh, Bandito, Bandito and Fl- Flamita. Flamita, yeah, I saw probably that. be the only good match on the card. <laughs> Come on, PCO against uh, Roosh. PCO and Roosh might be lit. Yeah. I, yeah. I really think that might be lit. But and then also there's um there's Gresham and Lethal against the Briscoes. That should be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, might be okay. It might be fun. Might be fine. Actually, it might be better than this, one of these World Tag League shows. So all right, well, only one last last thing left to do on this show, and it's Jeremy recommended match of the week. Hit the music. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we really need to get some uh, <laughs> recommended match of the week music. No, it's not the same because we can't say hit the music. Like, we're freaking stealing from 
James and Rich. But I really like saying music. <laughs> it's free and funny. It, it is very fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, recommended match of the week. My my pick this week is Kota Ibushi versus Ren Narita. From the showdown show from Los Angeles that was uploaded this past week, you went um, you went back in the catalog for this. Yeah, one. I went way back, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the reason why I went with this <laughs> is I know a lot of people probably did not watch these shows. They already happened in the past, like we already kind of knew the results, and you know they weren't affecting anything going forward. But Overall, from top to bottom, this was a solid show. I love the presentation of New Japan in the Globe Theater. It's an awesome venue. And then this Kota Ibushi Renderita match was awesome. You got Kota Ibushi, a guy that's getting ready to um, be a part of this double title match at the Dome, coming out to Los Angeles to wrestle Renderita. And he could have gone in there. He could have ate Narita up, made it a quick match, and got out of there. But he went in there and had... Uh, this awesome match with Narita gave Narita a lot, made Narita look like a star. These guys are slapping the crap out of each other, going back and forth. I love this match, and I think you guys definitely need to go out of your way. Check out this um, Los Angeles show, and if you're only going to watch one match, please watch Kota Ibushi versus Ren Narita. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, I will be working on putting together a list of all the recommended matches of the week since we started doing them, along with the wrestler of the month and the match of the month, and get them all on socialsuplex.com with links to the recommended matches of the week. And once again, shout out to Dan for that idea of kind of compiling everything and putting it up on a list somewhere. And so that's going to wrap things up for this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back with our review of the World Tag League Finals. So make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strongstyle. I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. You can also follow us at Social Suplex on Facebook.com. We are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I am the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Also, check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and Jane Boyd. On Wednesday, we have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. On Fridays, we have Get In The Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And Saturday, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy O., and Tiffany. Don't forget to get your votes in for our 2019 End of the Year Awards. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.